Hey, all you future Forexers out there. Thank you for tuning in once again to Forex Formula Radio. This is our last episode in a series of nine episodes focusing on what a Forex agent is, period. This is what you become in your journey. What, what is the goal? These nine facets. If you're listening for the first time, it will make a lot more sense if you listen to the prior eight episodes in sequence so that you have a clear understanding of the Forex agent identity. Okay, we made it. Number nine, a Forex agent is in control. I don't mean controlling or a controller. I mean in control. I mean the one steering the ship. Hi, I'm Kelly Johnston, founder of the Forex Formula. And the big question is this. How are real estate agents like us able to create a constant stream of commissions and a constant stream of leads while enjoying life without wasting big budgets on branding, without working crazy hours, without worrying where the next deal is coming from in today's real estate market? This podcast is here to reveal the answers. I did an episode a few months ago and I was talking about the internal locus of control. And to be honest, I had never heard of this concept before. I had never heard of that term, internal locus of control, until I read about it in a book by Charles Duhigg called Smarter, Faster, Better. And it's funny, the opposite of that is an external locus of control. These are people that have a weak internal locus of control. They blame the surroundings around them. They blame the things that they have no control over. They give credit to the things that happen to them, to everything and, and everyone else around them. The label that I have for these people is that they have a victim mentality. This is what, before I learned about this stuff, is how I actually um, kind of phrased that. I could just tell these are people with a victim mentality. And this was before I learned that this has actually been studied. <laughs> these people are always victims and they always seem to have things happening to them. The people in their lives are responsible for their failures, problems, misgivings, and challenges. Or, or when a challenge or problem arises, they focus on getting the people in their lives around them to solve the problems for them. And if they don't, then this person will actually put those people into the category as a contributor to their problem. It's a no-win situation being a friend or a family member in the lives of these people. It's tough, man. And you, you know, you all know someone like this. Everybody knows somebody like this. We all do. Do you know a person like this? Now, to be fair, I will admit, I, I, like I'm going to admit, this is, this is an extreme example this is more obvious, right? And I would contest that there are a lot more subtle examples of kind of a weak internal locus of control. So let's talk about our programming once again. I've been doing this the whole time in all eight of the other episodes. The reason I do this is, is so that you recognize what's happening in our society and in our social influences today. It's so powerful, but it's also very subtle. And it's because it's so subtle that it's so powerful, I think. Consider this, if we fail or falter, we have so many excuses, don't we? It's so easy to find a reason that is external that contributed to our failure. You can post it on social media and you're going to get a lot of likes supporting that thought and you'll get little faces with little tears on it and that'll make you feel good. They all relate to you, right? But you know what this does? This actually in turn actually helps validate your failure for you. This is what we're always looking for, validation, because then we're released from personal responsibility and the failure becomes attached to some other external reason or excuse or person or event or something that's completely out of our control. 
Oh, um, well, yeah, I mean, it's because of, well, that. I mean, that's the reason. It's not me. If it weren't for that circumstance beyond my control, then everything would have been different. Not my fault. Not my fault. Not me. Right? <laughs> we do this all the time. We're all guilty of it. Do any of you golf? I golf once in a while. I'm an okay golfer. I get by. I kind of know kind of what to do, but not very consistently or as much as I would like because I'm so busy all the time. But when I do book a golf time, I think of it as kind of like a little four or five hour vacation. <laughs> I really enjoy it. It's one of my goals to be able to golf more and take time to do that. And last Father's Day, I actually went to a store called Golf Town and I chose a new set of irons and a new set of drivers, paid a bunch of money and actually for the first time spent some money on golf clubs, like quite a bit of money. And this was kind of a big deal to me. I had a hard time making the decision to invest in a good set of clubs because I actually didn't think I was good enough to warrant spending the money. I figured that for the clubs to make a difference, I had to overcome my own misgivings and shortcomings about hitting a golf ball first. <laughs> but then I thought about it. If I'm going to get better and begin to improve and learn and apply, I should invest in the clubs now and take it seriously so that I actually get used to the clubs while I'm working on my skill sets to get better. So it, it does go hand in hand. When I think about that, I kind of appreciate how I was approaching it, actually. When I think back on that, I was saying to myself, okay, in order to justify getting new clubs and spending a bunch of money, I need to be worthy of that. I need to get more consistent and create that muscle memory of swinging properly so that when I get new clubs, the new, more high quality clubs will actually make a difference. Do you see the thought pattern there? I wasn't giving the clubs the control over whether or not I was a good golfer. I don't blame the clubs or the type of ball or the golf course or the people that I'm golfing with for my own shortcomings. I used to live on a golf course, actually, backing on hole 13 at the Falls Golf Course and Resort. It's a beautiful golf course with amazing views of the valley floor. If you ever get a chance to golf there, it's amazing. And I also sold a lot of homes in that area. From my back deck, I could watch people teeing off in the distance to the left of my deck. And it was kind of a little bit of ways away. And then when they got to their second shot to hit to the green, I could watch them quite easily right from the back of my deck. And I can't tell you how many times I witnessed this. And then... That's the G-rated version. <laughs> Basically, a person being extremely upset at how crappy his shot was and then swearing profusely and then the sound of his golf club flying through the air into the forested tree area there that was nearby. <laughs> now, I, I totally relate to that feeling for sure. I totally know how that feels. If you ever gone golfing, then you know the feeling. But when someone throws a club like that, what are they doing mentally? And, and hey, none of us are above it. I, I, hey, I've thought about it a few times myself. But what are they doing? They're placing the blame on the club, right? This effing club. <laughs> right? That's what they're thinking. That's what's going through. It's a club. Now, here's the thing about golf. There are fundamental things that we need to learn about the swing. Just the swing. The swing has a bunch of facets to it to affect the outcome of how we hit the ball and then the ultimate outcome of how the ball flies, the spin on the ball, how it will land, how it will bounce and roll, etc. Now the surroundings, the golf course, influence a lot of that. If there are downward slopes, side slopes, sand traps that'll affect where the ball travels after it hits the ground, we know that if we keep the ball on the fairway, then we always have a better chance of having a better second shot or third shot or whatever. 
we know that there are areas that are out of bounds too, right? There's water involved in a lot of circumstances. The greens have the greens actually have slope to them and undulate in certain directions that affect how the ball will roll to increase the difficulty. But here's the thing, as we play more often, we learn how to overcome those obstacles. We learn how to deal with the various challenges and outer influences that we encounter on the golf course. We learn that we need to choke up or down on the club if we have a downward lie or an upward lie. We learn that we have to open the club face up a bit more if we want the ball to travel upwards and hit the ground with less roll or even backspin. When we're using our lob wedge, if we want the ball to go a little shorter, I may have the ball closer to my back leg, etc. You know, these are things that you learn after fine-tuning your game. And these come from experience and extra teaching that you gain over time. Do you agree with me on this? But the fundamentals of the golf swing are always there. The golf game itself has rules and you know when you're succeeding along the way. You know when you have a great game. You know for certain when you have a bad game. There are measuring sticks along the way. You record the strokes of each hole on your golf cart, right? Now let's talk about the swing. There are certain fundamentals about the swing. Where you place the ball, how you line it up. You must keep your head down. You must swing right through the ball. What's happening with your feet during the swing is so important. How your shoulders move and your hip movement through the swing. And then the, and then the plan of where you want to direct the ball if you hit it perfectly. All of these things come into play in a split second. And if any one of those things are not done right or go off kilter, then you will see the result when the ball's flying through the air. Now, when you hit a crappy shot, and hit a tree or a house, end up in the water or a sand trap, where does your mind habitually go? My house got hit a few times, by the way. Stupid club. This is a crappy ball. This golf course sucks. Bob, you were talking. Why are you talking while I'm hitting? That messed up my shot. Who put that stupid sand trap over there? Or do you look to yourself right away and find ways to figure out how to correct what you did or what you didn't do. What about this? Ah, oh, shoot. I think I lifted my head. Oh, okay. I should have aimed my feet more to the left there. Okay. Next time I should aim further right to avoid the sand trap. That's what I should do next time. You see the difference? You see the difference. Another saying that I hear quite often in golf, in the golf world is you're only competing against yourself. That's how we need to think. We're just competing against ourselves, working on constantly improving, constant and never-ending improvement. Can-I, right? C-A-N-I. Take the control back. Always focus on you first. Don't beat yourself up. Focus on where you can work on things. Keep it internal. Now, here's the thing. This is not something you're born with. On either side of the fence, this is something that gets developed. Your decisions Outer influences, upbringing, experiences, successes, failures have all gotten you here. And as humans, we do this. We create survival instincts. This is normal. We've made choices in the past that have gotten us here today. Everything goes both ways. These choices have either helped or hindered our lives in some way. And we're just, it, we're just a combination of a bunch of choices. And if we haven't been taught these concepts, then we've either accidentally built up or strengthened our internal locus of control, or we have discovered and strengthened other habits and thought patterns that have inadvertently caused us to weaken our internal locus of control. So here's the good news though. Either way, here's the good news. It's not too late. This is the point that I want you to get. The conclusion here 
is that this is something that you want to develop. You must develop a strong locus of control. You have to take responsibility for all parts of your business, every single part. Just like I have to get better at all aspects of the golf swing and remember all the little details and make them habits so I suddenly naturally create an awesome golf swing. Does that make sense? You either develop a weak locus of control or you develop a strong internal locus of control. The cool thing is it's never too late. Realizing and recognizing is the first thing. Then you go to work. We will help you. This is how the Forex Formula Real Estate course is designed. As we move through the course, you'll be in a process of building up your internal locus of control. Little mini successes are the key. I'm so excited for you to join us on the journey. Now with all of that in mind, let me ask and answer the following questions to you and for you. Is the world going to come at you with some challenges? Yes. Will things happen to you? Yes. Will some things happen to you that are unfair? Yes. Will somebody do something that will hurt you? Or will somebody take advantage of you or disappoint you at some point? Yes. Will it be hard sometimes? Yes. Will you actually feel hopeless sometimes in your life? Yes. Will you ever feel like you need help? Yes. There's a yes to every one of those things. So let's not fool ourselves. But the difference between a successful person and a person who is not successful, and measure that however you want, is how you deal with all of those things. How do you approach the challenge or problem or the person that wronged you? Do you allow those things to win? Do you allow those things to win? No, not you. Not a Forexer. Not a Forex agent. No way. You do not allow those things to win. You take those situations, you figure out how to learn from it, how to make a positive out of it, how to improve yourself, how to avoid similar situations in the future, how to change your surroundings so that those circumstances don't occur again, or at least you minimize the chance of it happening again. This will make you better, faster, stronger, smarter if you approach it this way. Know this. Get excited about this. This is the gift that you get for enduring these things. These things will only harm you or hinder you or stop you or stall you or crush you if you let it. We are all humans with different weaknesses and strengths, but we can all build up things, things that are current weaknesses and make them our greatest strengths once we take back the control. It's up to you. Nobody can do this for you. It's you. You know, when you point your finger, when you point your finger at somebody or something, your index finger, there are three other fingers pointing back at you. You know that, right? (laughs) here's an excerpt from the book smarter faster better from charles duhigg just a little reminder for you if you didn't listen to that to that other uh, episode researchers have found that people with an internal locus of control tend to praise or blame themselves for success or failure rather than assigning responsibility to the things outside their influence a student with a strong internal locus of control for instance will attribute good grades to hard work rather than natural smarts a salesman with an internal locus of control will blame a lost sale on his own lack of hustle rather than bad fortune something that was just done to him or happened to him internal locus of control has been linked with academic success higher self-motivation and social maturity, lower incidences of stress and depression, and a longer lifespan. A team of psychologists wrote this in a journal called Problems and Perspectives in Management in 2012. People with an internal locus of control tend to, listen to this, earn more money, have more friends, stay married longer, and report greater professional success and satisfaction. 
So in contrast to that, having an external locus of control, believing that your life is primarily influenced by events outside your control is correlated with higher levels of stress, often because an individual perceives a situation as beyond his or her coping abilities, the team of psychologists wrote. Isn't that amazing? Do you see how blaming all of the things outside ourselves will literally stifle our own improvement? Does this hit home with you? In the real estate business, there are things that are out of our control. Would you agree with that statement? The bank interest rates and how they fluctuate, the economy, elections affect business sometimes, immigration policies, the stock market, factories shutting down in our area that affect numerous job losses and in turn the economy of our particular market areas, wars, threats, crime, weather, the message from the news that may cause people to think a certain way. There are so many things that are outside our control. Make a decision to only stress about the things that are in our control. Why utilize your mental energy to allow stress and anxiety to creep in on subject matter that is totally out of our control? Where is the opportunity? Ask that question. Where can someone benefit? In a seller's market, is there an opportunity? You bet. In a buyer's market, is there an opportunity? You bet. In a balanced market, is there opportunity? Yes. When the stock market crashes, is there opportunity? Oh yes, there is. Think about what you can control. Go there immediately. Ask yourself the right questions instead of why me? Why me? Why do these things always happen to me? Why is this so hard? Instead of that, ask what and how questions. Questions that invoke thinking about solutions and actions. Action overcomes fear every time. Action overcomes fear every time. Action overcomes challenges every time. Action. What can we control? What can we control? We can control the message that we want people to internalize and understand about us, real estate professionals. That's what I mean by us. We can control the planting of seeds. And if you've been listening to other podcasts, you know what I mean by that. We can control contacting our clients, referral sources, strategic alliances, cold and warm leads, etc. We can control how we deal with sign calls, emails, information requests. We can control how we present ourselves in social media. We can control our mindsets. We can control what motivates us and what excites us. We can control how we treat our wives, husbands, friends, family, children, partners, and other loved ones. We can be a positive example to others. We can control how we conduct ourselves with other real estate agents. We can control how we make decisions and what is the rudder for our decisions, what steers our decisions. We can control how well we serve and how we wow our clients. We can control what goes into our brains just like we can control what goes into our stomachs. We can control operating as a professional, being accountable, being organized, managing our time, operating with intention, being consistent. We control building relationships and inspiring people to refer business to us. We can control those things. We can control that. Every one of those things are in our control. A 4X agent is in control. Guys and gals, we can control a lot of things. This is where you take the power back. This is where you become different. Believe it or not, if you simply practice in this way, you will stand out. You will differentiate yourself. It's not hard to look good in this business. It's amazing what the general public has decided is acceptable or maybe what they have decided to settle with 
It blows my mind all the time. But you know what? I don't worry about other people and how they conduct their businesses. As aggravating as it may be, I focus on myself. I can't control the conduct of others. I can't control what motivates others to do the things they do. I can't impose my will on the world around me. I can only control me. This is where it needs to start. There is an amazing amount of good in the world. There is a mind-blowing amount of bad in the world. Bad things will happen to good people because there is evil in this world. And it's sad and heartbreaking sometimes. How do we, the ones that are left, create a positive out of those heartbreaking circumstances? How do we glorify the goodness even in the hardest times? How? That's in our control. We are in a business that allows us to have control. We have nobody telling us to get up at a certain time in the morning. We have nobody telling us when we get to take a break and eat food. We have nobody telling us when we get to go home to our family. If I want to head over to the school at three o'clock in the afternoon in the middle of a workday to watch my son's rugby game, then I can if I want to. If I want to be the only father at the 9 a.m. kindergarten class reading time to my son during family reading time, then I I can because I make my own schedule. I control it. We get to establish our own value. There's no ceiling. We choose how to value our time. We can get better at our craft. We can improve our skills. We can build up our business and do a great job and become an enormous person of value and get paid very well for that. We can do things to increase our value per hour, per day, per year, and there's nothing holding us back. We get to be creative in order to develop business. There's opportunity everywhere. Every person you bump into accidentally could be your next raving fan client. Embrace that. Soak it in. Do you hear that? I mean, really hear that. You are in control. You are in the best business in the world for the average person with a low barrier of entry and endless possibilities and opportunities. I have witnessed and seen and heard about people who are waitresses and beer cart girls and guys who are homeless and people who left a good paying corporate job and people who went through bankruptcy become millionaire real estate agents. All of these people had the cards stacked against them. They had no advantages. I was one of them, but they took the control back. A 4X agent is in control. Well, that concludes our nine-part series on what a 4X agent is, what you become as you go through our 4X Formula Real Estate course. I've hope, I, I really hope you've enjoyed this series. I will continue to produce content for you to listen to in order to help you know, be a positive impact on your day. Stick with me. I'm so thankful for you and I appreciate you listening to this information. If you think that we're a good fit together, I would encourage you to get on the waiting list for the free training. And then once we launch, you'll receive great value as the first early adopters taking this course. I really appreciate the confidence. And as always, I encourage you to make a great day. This is Kelly Johnston, founder of the 4X Formula Real Estate Course, signing off for today. Take care. Hey, I hope you enjoyed that last episode. Here's the reality that you may or may not know. The top 20% of real estate agents take home 80% of the money out there, while the bottom 80% are fighting over 20% of the scraps that are left. Do you have a desire to be in the top 20%? If you're working hard and not sustainably making six figures of income and beyond, the problem is not you, it's your system. I struggled for years until one day the light bulb came on and I figured out how to simplify the real estate business. If you wanna learn my secrets that anyone can implement immediately, that I still use every day, that pays me multiple six figures every year, go to 4xformula.com right now. That's 4xformula.com, the number 4xformula.com.